engaging in spiritual warfare. You know, this is, this is a subject for some. It's like it, it, it strikes fear in your heart. And others, it's like, yeah, I love, love a bit of spiritual warfare. Um, and actually, for many people, especially in the world in which we live, it's far-fetched. It's a, it's a load of rubbish. It doesn't exist. It doesn't happen. But the bottom line is, for us who are believers, we are very aware of the spiritual battles that we face day in, day out, the situations that we perhaps face personally or those battles that we walk through. Spiritual warfare is a very real issue and we, in prayer, need to know what we're doing because we are in the army of the Lord, aren't we? You know, we may not be armies as in generals and, and uh, second commanders and Alex, it is so good to see you here this morning. Welcome home. Um, it, it, it may be one of those things in our journey that we, we don't position people like the Salvation Army do in, in their rankings. But actually, we are in a spiritual warfare. And, and, and sometimes it may be hard to believe. And other times, when the assault of the enemy is full engaged in our life, we wonder why, why we weren't prepared or why we didn't see these things coming. And the Apostle Paul was very was moved upon by the Holy Spirit to write some things down that every believer should know, that every believer should walk in, and that we should be very aware of. And I want to open up really with this first scripture. In Ephesians chapter 6, you all know this scripture. Um, but Ephesians 6 verse 12 is, is just really important, and it reveals something about our journey. It says this in, in verse 12, For we wrestle not against flesh, and blood. Um, you can look at your wife or your husband and say, I'm sorry if you feel I wrestle against you. Okay, you don't have to do it. I have just done it. <laughs> Leave me out there hanging. No, no, thank you very much. So the bottom line is we don't wrestle about, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We don't wrestle with our parents. We don't wrestle with our siblings. We don't wrestle against your employer. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now, your employer, your husband and wife may aggravate you at times and you feel like you're wrestling them, but that is not the spiritual truth here. It says, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. There are numerous realms in which we are engaged in spiritual warfare. And unless you believe that there is two realms to this world. There is the natural realm where we all exist. We go to work, we do our waking and going to sleep, we do our eating and drinking and whatever else we do. There is the natural realm of life and there is a spiritual realm upon which there is the battle to our soul. There is the destruction. The, the, the Bible is very clear. Jesus said these words, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, that may, you may see that happen in the natural, but also in the spiritual, the things that are not seen, those, those areas of our life that we don't see pressure building in front of us. We don't see the potholes that are before us, the strategies of the work of the enemy that will cause you to fall, to trip up, to hit an obstacle, whatever it would be. We don't see those things. But he is scheming. He, one of the ways in which the enemy works, he is a schemer. 
Someone who schemes, they plot, they plan, they prepare, they, 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 they get ready for you to fall into diverse temptations, testings, and trials. Well, we may fall into them, but he's already gone and tried to find a way to trip you up. He may know what your Achilles heel is. He may have looked at your past and seen your past and said, I'm going to use your past to trip you up in your future. But whatever it is in life that we face, there is always the onslaught. There is a work in the spiritual realm to cause you to be derailed or to set you on a different course. And we have got to be aware, spiritually awake, to know the works of the enemy and to follow the plan of God in our life. Are we allowing the enemy to defeat us, to steal from us, or to destroy what is precious to us? It's really important that you can look around your life and you say, well, my finance right now is in a mess. Okay, is that foolishness on your behalf, or are you walking with good stewardship in your life? Are you doing what God has called you to do, or are you being frivolous in a world where right now you may need to tighten up? There may be some things that we can do naturally. Or is the enemy coming in like a flood over your life and you're walking around as if you've got holes in your pockets because you're not doing what God said and therefore the enemy is stealing from you. You can look, about, look at that in all areas and aspects of our Christian life. But as Christians, we have the spiritual tools to be able to defeat the enemy at every turn. Aren't you pleased about that? You know, we don't, we're not left helpless. <laughs> I am so thankful we're not left helpless in this journey of life. You know, there are the battles of temptation, the battles of fear, the battles of anxiety, the battle of troubling thoughts. These are all battles that we go through in life on a daily basis. There's the battle of the unknown. There's the battle of our past. How often does our past catch up with us and remind us and then cause us to fail again and again? And we seemingly go in this cycle of life where all of a sudden we think we have victory, we think we're an overcomer, we think we've made it. And a little while down the line, the enemy uses the same tactic because he can't create new ideas. He is not a creator. He uses the same old, same old methods that he's always used. And he causes us to trip up again. He causes us to stumble again in life. And our past is very much the thing that he will come back to and remind you of those things where you failed, those things where you didn't get it right. He is, a, he is a liar. He, is, he will remind you of those things that you've got wrong. In warfare, battles are fought on different levels. They're, they're fought on different fronts. You know, these are different fronts. Your past, the unknown, the worries, the uncertainties. They're different fronts in which the enemy can come along. But I want you to know this. That in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3, and this is absolute key as a foundation to our spiritual warfare. This is an absolute key scripture. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3, it says this, But the Lord is faithful. I want you to say that with me this morning. The Lord is faithful. Isn't that good? When we're faithless, 
He remains faithful. The Lord is faithful. Who will establish you and guard you from the evil one? Isn't that good news? He will guard you. Even when you're walking in in a pathway where you know that you shouldn't, there are guards placed upon your life that are going to ease you back on the path where God wants you to be. He will guard you from the evil one. Does that mean that the evil one never has an opportunity? I believe he gets opportunity, but that's when we ignore the leading, the guiding, and the guarding of God in our life, and we say, I'm going to do it the way I want to, my way, and we go ahead and do it ourselves. We've got to look at this scripture and say, but the Lord is faithful, who will establish you, and guard you from the evil one. Let me say this to you today. Even if you don't believe everything that the word of God says about you, the devil does. You, not may, you may not believe that you're healed right now, but the devil knows that you are because Jesus died at the cross for your healing. He knows what's already taken place. He, you may not experience peace of mind in your thoughts, and you may say, that will never happen to me. But Jesus knows, and so does the devil, because he defeated the devil at the cross, and he said, my peace I give to you. Not like the world knows. A peace that surpasses all understanding, that will guard your heart and your mind. See, what you don't believe, the devil believes. And he knows that about your life. You may go through life and you think, oh, you know, I just seem to get defeated every time I try and do something for God. I just get knocked back and defeated. But do you know what the devil knows? You're more than a conqueror. You may not believe it. You may not feel it. You may not walk it out. But the devil knows you are. And what he's dreading is the day when you look upon yourself and the Word of God and, and yourself and the Word of God begins to match up and you suddenly realize, I am more than a conqueror. I am who Jesus says I am. That's the moment we defeat him. Jesus defeated him at the cross. See, he knows he's defeated. And the moment that we realize he's defeated in our life too is the moment we step up and walk in triumph. It is so important that you and I know that the devil knows what God has done for you already. It's so important. He knows you've been set free. Because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. The devil knows you're free, but you still walk in the bondage or in the temptations. But the devil knows that you you should be walking in victory. But do you? Do we? Do we know that that is our truth? That is so important. He knows, the devil that is, he knows that you've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So why do we fear? Because we don't live in accordance to the word and apply it and live it out. Why? Because there's a battle. If you you succumb to fear or fearful fearful thoughts. That's not easy to say when you're in a hurry. When, you, when you're easily succumb to fearful thoughts, it's so easy to become fearful in the journey of your life. But when you realize you are more than a conqueror, 
you defeat the enemy who is already defeated, who already knows that you could defeat him. See, see we, we, have, we have this picture of big God, and when we worship him, we magnify him. Absolutely. But we often think the devil is just as big and can do just as much. But you know what? The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in you. And therefore, with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will quicken your mortal body. He will strengthen you from the inside. He will empower you to live the life that Christ came that you may live. It's important that if you go into battle that you know that you're on the winning side. It's important to know if you're engaged in spiritual warfare that you know that you are a more than conqueror. See, Jesus is the conqueror. He conquered the works of darkness. And he said, now you are more than a conqueror. And, and I love the analogy that, that Pastor Andy's used, and I've used it before. You get Tyson Fury in the ring. Tyson Fury's just knocked out... What's the name of the uh, WW or MMA... Let's go, for a, let's go for another boxer. I can't think of any boxers right now. Anyway, you know boxers. You, you watch all these blood sports. There we go. Um, so Tyson Fury's in the ring. He has this fight. He's got knocked out. Deontay Wilder. There we go. He, got, he gets knocked out in the 12th round. He, he's on the floor. He's gone out cold. All of a sudden, there's this resurrection moment. He jumps to his feet and he starts pounding the guy. He's dazed, but he wins the fight. Yeah, he won the fight. He goes home to his wife and hands her the check. Who is more than a conqueror? (laughs) It's not Tyson Fury in the ring. He may have won the fight, but it's his wife who's got the 40 million pound check. That is what Jesus did for you. He went against the works of the enemy. He destroyed the works of the enemy. He took back the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He, he went to the cross on your behalf, and then he said, I'm making you more than a conqueror. I love that. I tell you, that's a moment when I, I just want to stand up and say, my big, my big dad, he's, he's the, if Tyson Fury was in the room, six foot eight, he may just fit here. I wouldn't, anyone come at me? Yeah, take me on. I got Tyson in front of me. That's how it is with God. He is there in front of us. He goes before us. He is also our rear guard. He remains faithful in our journey. The only power that the enemy has over us is the power we enable him to have. As shocking as that may sound, because he goes around like a roaring lion. Like a roaring lion. Not as a roaring lion, but like. And I want to read this scripture, first, first Peter 5, verse 8 to 9. It says, um, and being well balanced, this is, this is our part, this is what we need to be doing. Being well balanced, temperate, sober of mind, be village, vigi- vigilant and cautious at all times. For that enemy of yours, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion in fierce hunger. Mm. Mm. Oh, that was like a moose now, sorry. <laughs> anyway, <I'm laughs> I've, been, I've been practicing my lion roar in my office. Like, oh, Lord. 
Why did I even bother? Anyway, let's get back to the serious thoughts. <laughs> he roams around like a roaring lion in fierce hunger, seeking someone to seize upon and devour. What do we do? Withstand him. Don't just let him roll, roll all over you. Don't let him take what is yours. Don't let him have your peace. Don't let him have your health. Don't let him have your finance. Withstand him. Stand. When you stand up against the work of the enemy, all heaven stands with you. You've got a backing of, of, of heaven. And it says, withstand him. Be firm in your faith. Against his uh, onset, rooted, established, strong, immovable and determined. Knowing that the same identical sufferings are appointed to your brotherhood, the whole body of Christians throughout the world. There is nothing that we're experiencing here that others around the world, in in America, Australia, in Belgium, in Brighton and wherever else, they're experiencing the same pressures that you and I are right now. But the key is withstand. Don't lay down and take it. Don't just say, well, it's another thing that's come against me. Why is it always me? Nobody else seems to have these problems or attacks. Nobody else seems to have that pressure. Everyone else seems so much happier than I am. You don't know the pressures that somebody else may be under just because you see them worshipping God. Maybe they got a revelation. Maybe they got a revelation that praise steals the enemy and the avenger. Maybe they got a revelation of that truth. Maybe they got a revelation that God inhabits the praises of his people and they may be going through so much worse than what you are, but they keep their heads and their eyes upon the Lord and they keep praising them in the midst of their trouble and their pressure. Just maybe. Just maybe that's their journey. Maybe their journey is they get on their knees and they cry out to God and they're there for four hours or five hours or the night hours of the, of the day and the night and they're just praying and praying and believing and then knocking on that door saying, I know that you're going to move in power and might because I'm not going to let go. I am going to withstand this situation. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. I believe this is transforming. Life transforming and life empowering. Because if we just walk around this life as a natural human being, thinking everything that happens in life is about the natural circumstances of our world, you will be defeated, you will be broken, you will be devastated by the work of the enemy. Because the enemy will come in like a flood. Or the enemy will come in, and like a flood, we will lift up a standard, depending how you want to read that passage of Scripture. What does Peter say? He says, withstand, resist, stand against, hold fast in the faith. The faith that is so precious to you and I. Let us hold fast to the faith. Let us hold fast to the promises of God in our life and in our journey. Because the enemy will want to steal, kill, and destroy. But we've got to lay hold of the promises. Our battle's not with flesh and blood. It says this in another scripture, and I'm going to read this one to you this morning as well, the Second Corinthians chapter 10. So your, your, your enemy is not your husband or your wife. Your enemy is not your boss at work, or the neighbor across the road, or your 
neighbour at the end of your garden that's causing nothing but problems and taking the part of your garden, <laughs> whatever, all right? We can look at people and think they're our enemies, but they're not. They may be being used by the enemy, and then we can deal with the enemy on the inside. 2 Corinthians 10 says this, For though we walk, in the, for though we walk and live in the flesh, we are not carrying on our war, warfare according to the flesh and using mere human weapons. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God. What are they? They are mighty before God. The weapons of our warfare are mighty. We're not, we're not talking about Spider-Man with his web, and we're not talking about Superman with his superpowers. We're talking about the spiritual weapons of our warfare are mighty before God. That is, what we're talking about is equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. Equipping your life for when something comes in your way, you say, I'm not going to take that, I'm not having that, that's not mine. And you withstand. Why? Because the weapons of our warfare are mighty before God. It's incredible. I know these passages, I've read them over, I've put them in my heart. But they are so powerful. What are they for? For the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. Those things that come against you. Those things that have held on. Those things that your past and your present and the future. They are mighty before God to pull them down. Insomuch as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God... And we lead every thought and purpose away captive into, be, into the obedience of Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. We have spiritual weaponry. I'd like to say, you know, I, I've got in my little box and I'm going to hand them out this morning. What would you like? Would you like the, the sword of the Spirit? Would you like, what would you, you know, it's like, but they, they are in your spiritual armory. We just need to take them out. I'll tell you, there's nothing worse than having an armory and all the weapons are there and the enemy's coming in and taking advantage of your life. But God's given you all these weapons in your armory and you're not using them. What are the weapons? The Word of God. Oh, let's go for the first one. The Bible is known as the sword of the Spirit. It's not a lightsaber. It is... <laughs> It is the sword of the Spirit. The Word of God It is the spiritual weapons of our warfare. The Word of God. See, the more you know the Word, the more skilled you'll be in warfare. If someone's just giving you this book and it's, it's new to you, you will not be like the Errol Flynn fencer. All right? Errol Flynn, who is he? Sorry, I only, I only, I only watched 1940 films. Errol Flynn. Sorry, sorry. You will not be the fencer. You, you will just sort of crash around and just do your best. But the more skilled you become in this book, oh, you become the fencer that God wants you to be. Skilled in the word of truth, able to defeat the works of the enemy. What else is in our armory? The name of Jesus. 
When we speak the name of Jesus in a situation, all hell trembles. Jesus said, my name. I give you my name. That's incredible. I give you my name. If I I gave Phil Pollard my name, here we go, here's my wallet. Why did I say Phil? He'd probably walk out with this. See, I, I could give Phil, Phil here, he's got my name. He's, I've been given power of authority or power of attorney. He's got my bank card. He's got the church bank card. He's got my AOG minister's identity card. He's got my Wix card. You don't want that one. He's got my driving license. What else have I got in here? Oh, he's got Diamond, my estate agent. <laughs> I, have just, I have just given Phil power. If I told him my coats, <laughs> power of attorney, power of to use my name. And that's exactly what Jesus has done with us. He said, now you go in my name, and you heal the sick, and you raise the dead. And if there's anything that comes against you, you deal with that. In, in, in Peter and Peter and the disciples in the boat, the storm is blowing. Jesus is walking on the water, and, and they say, oh, it's a ghost. It's a ghost screaming like a bunch of um, scared people. <laughs> and... And Jesus gets in the boat, and they're all happy, and Jesus calms the storm. Then what's the next thing he does? He said, you of little faith. He rebukes them. Why? Because they could have rebuked the storm. They had been given authority by Jesus to do... Let's have those back while I remember. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) It's like playing cards these days, isn't it? It's like, oh, boy. I'll pass them to you, I might forget. (laughs) So we got the word of God, we got the name of Jesus, we got the power of the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can cleanse you whole again? Nothing but the blood Jesus. We'll stop there. Because it gets high. And there is no way I'm getting there without musicians, right? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood. If your child is, is at a distant, walked away from God, plead the blood. Lord, let your blood just so affect their life. Let it be transforming over their life. Deal with the the drug issue that they may be in. Deal with the gang mindset they may be in. Deal with whatever. But I I plead the blood. Let the blood of Jesus be the thing that intercedes on their behalf. Because the power of the blood has never lost its power. It still forgives. It still heals. It still transforms. And it is a weapon that we can use as part of our warfare. That's why communion is so powerful and so special. Our praise is a weapon. 
Oh, I'm not going to start singing that one. <laughs> how praise is a weapon. You know, you read Psalm 8, and, it's, and it says how praise, um, uh, how the infants... Um, I ought to have read it. Psalm, Psalm 8. Yes. Quick, quick, quick. Don't want to run out of time. Um, out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants... You have ordained strength. The word strength means praise because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When you begin to praise in the circumstances that may not be good, you begin to silence the, the, the shout of the enemy. You begin to silence him as you begin to praise him. You silence the work of the enemy. Oh, let praise be a weapon on your mouth. Let, praise, let the praises of God rise in your life. And then there's prayer. Oh, sorry, then there's the Holy Spirit and the anointing. I could go through each of these and just give you a sermon on all of them. We could have done a 10-week series on this, I'll tell you. Um, and then there's prayer. So the Holy Spirit and his anointing, they are a spiritual weapon in our life. The anointing, how Jesus of Nazareth was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he ran around healing all that were sick and oppressed of the enemy. It was a weapon of warfare where Jesus destroyed the works of the enemy. And then there's prayer. And I'm just going to read this quickly. Um, 2 Corinthians, uh, Chronicles chapter 32, uh, verse 18. And it says this, and, 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 and Israel were being besieged, or the city of Jerusalem were being besieged. And uh, then they called out with a loud voice in Hebrew to the people of Jerusalem who were on the wall to frighten them and to trouble them. There are voices that you may hear that trouble you. There may be voices that, that just keep on being repeated in your life. There may be a, a voice of the old life that just keeps coming into your life. But they were troubling them and frightening them that they may take the city. And they spoke against the God of Jerusalem. As against the gods of the people of the earth, the work of men's hands. And now, because of this, King Hezekiah, this is, this is where the men and the women of God rise up. Then King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, prayed and cried out to heaven. That is our response in prayer. When we're, un, when we're under attack, just as these people were, they were under attack. What do we do? We pray. We praise. We release the name of Jesus. But here they were praying, and they, they prayed and cried out to heaven. Then the Lord sent an angel. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? You know, yeah. when you pray, God moves. We may not see what God is doing, but he's moving. He, they may not have seen the angel immediately, but the angel was released immediately. Something happens in the spiritual realm when you pray. And the Lord sent an angel. And what happened? He cut down every mighty man of valor, leader and captain in the camp of the king of Assyria, so that he returned shameful to his own land. When you pray and you stand and withstand the work of the enemy, the enemy goes back from where he came from. He withdraws from his assault on your life, just as it did here. So he returned, returned shamefaced to his own land. And when he had gone into the temple of his own God, some of his own offspring struck him down with a sword. What you see in the old is a type and picture of what you see in the new. And I believe this is a type and a picture of how we, when we pray, something miraculous takes place in a realm that we do not see called the spiritual realm 
And I believe in the power of the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the works of the, the word of God in our life. And I want to finish with a couple of last thoughts. The Apostle Paul finally gave us these instructions. Ephesians 6, we're going to go, uh, yeah, Ephesians 6, we're going to go back there. Read it earlier at the beginning. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness in this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. They are real. But remember, he always stands guard over us. In verse 13, therefore, because of all these things, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplications for all the saints. He, the Apostle Paul, the Holy Spirit revealed to him as he was sat there in the prison cell, this is so important for the body of Christ moving forward. And as he looked at the centurion and he looked at the armor of God, the Holy Spirit began to reveal to him the armor of the spiritual man and women of God and how we need to be protected in this realm of the natural and of the spiritual. We cannot underestimate the importance of walking in these verses or choose to ignore them. We cannot ignore the realms of the unseen and the seen. I wrote this. If we could only see for a moment into the spiritual dimension around us, and the schemes that the devil has fashioned against us, there wouldn't be a day that would pass when we didn't furnish ourselves with the divine armor of God. If I could, in, if I could right now open our eyes to see what we don't see right now, this little clip would give you a bit of an idea. Can we dim the lights? Thank you. Nice and loud. You will start a war with Mufasa. Hyena's alliance have been at war since the beginning of time. But Mufasa's bloodline will end here. <laughs> Don't let them get away.
But if you do... We are that bloodline. Every one of us in this room, we may feel we're like... We are that bloodline. He is the... Well, thank you. Oh, it's because I'm feeling hungry now. We are that bloodline. And when we go through battles in life, you just got to remember that our daddy God is behind us. He's also before us. And when pressure gets too big that we don't feel we can handle, he comes on the scene. There is a lion inside of those lungs. There's a lion inside of those lungs. So get up and sing. Come on, you lion. Let's get up and sing. There's a lion inside of these lungs. There's a lion inside. In the journey that you're in on, in life right now, whatever that journey may be, no matter what, when the enemy comes in, like a flood all around, all of a sudden, it's no longer the real. It is the lion that is on the inside of who you are. Let the lion out. Let him roar in your life. 1 John 4, verse 4. You are of God. That's every one of us in this room. You know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You are of God, little children. The little lion. And have overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he that is in this world. We have a lion inside of these lungs, so let us get up and sing. We have a lion, so let's get up and pray. Let us get up and prophesy. Let us stand guard over our children and over our families and over this church and over his church. Let us rise up and be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. The weapons of our warfare are mighty in God. We've journeyed in our series of prayer from the closet prayer room, that room where it's just you and you're alone with God. And we've journeyed right the way through 11, 12 weeks to spiritual warfare so that we know how to stand against the works of the enemy. Today brings a conclusion to these thoughts, but it doesn't stop from where we are. We did 24 hours of prayer the other day. Fantastic. We're going to do that on a regular basis now, once every three, probably once every three or four months. We're going to do a 24-hour prayer. I believe, it was just wonderful. I came down, no, I was already downstairs. Jane then came down and we, we transferred. I just prayed for Jane. I reminded her. It was great because most people had a tag team partner that they were praying at the same time. And I reminded Jane that Emma was praying at the same time as Jane. And then I just went upstairs and went back to bed. I didn't go back to sleep. I was so, I was just, Lord, help me get back to sleep. And I just, I, my mind was praying. My head was praying. I was praying in tongues. It's like, this is just so funny. I just want to sleep. <laughs> but 
But, but something was moving. Something shifted again. I, I believe that there was a gear shift again in the house of God and in people's individual lives. I believe in gear shifts, stepping up the run of the ladder, whatever, you, however you want to term it. I believe that the gear shift went again. And where we've been going in gear three, there's a gear four. I believe there's, there's a number of... I don't know how many gears some people have got in their cars, but I believe it goes up to seven or eight even these days. It's like, oh, I've still got four. It's like, it's an automatic, but there's only four. It's like, let's step up every one of us. What is it that we are called to be? The house of God will be known as a house of prayer. And this is his house. This isn't family church. This isn't my church. This is his house. And this house will be known as a house of prayer. Not just a house of prayer, but a house that sees prayer work, move, change, transform, invade and take back that which the enemy has stolen and see it manifest in his house. Amen? Amen. Amen. Fantastic. I'm going to conclude there. Um, I'm just going to take this moment to pray, uh, which would be a great opportunity. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you may have been a visitor here, you may have joined us today, uh, you may have been invited by someone today, this may be your home, but you've never given your life to the Lord. Today we're going to pray what I call a very simple prayer of introduction. I want to introduce you to the one that died for you, absolutely loves you, wants you to be his child today. So I'm going to just ask you to pray a very simple prayer I call it the prayer of introduction. It's introducing you to Jesus. Um, and if you pray it, and you pray it sincerely, you mean it in your heart, and you want to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, I'm going to ask you, after I've counted to three at the end, just to pop up your hand so that we can get a Bible and some information to you and then pop it back down. I'm not going to call anybody out. So let's pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you did on the cross in saving us and forgiven us, and for cleansing us from our every wrong, and from the sin and our wrongs. Thank you, Jesus. You took my sin, and you gave me your life. I receive that right now, and I make you my Lord and Savior. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to count to three. And if you prayed that sincerely and you meant it in your heart, the Bible's very clear that if we pray and confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive. And he will make you his own. One, two, three. If that's you and you prayed it, just pop up your hand so that I can see and we can give you a Bible and some information. Thank you, I see that hand, that's awesome. So anybody else in the room who's saying yes to Jesus? It suddenly made sense, it suddenly become real. Is there anybody else who joined this young man? Anybody else? Going to count down from five. Five, four, three, two, one. Father, I thank you, Lord. You said there is more rejoicing in heaven over one who turns their life over to you. And so, Father, we rejoice this morning 
that you've moved upon this young man's life. And I pray, Father, that the words that have been spoken in this room this morning, that you would fashion them and forge them in the very core of our spiritual life, that we would walk in it, that we would live by it. And Father, we just give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just give God a massive hand for his word, for his salvation. Thank you, Father. The Lord is good. Amen.